up and, and leading. I feel such a spirit of worship every time that we gather. And, you know, we, <laughs> I, I laughed, I told Jake and Heather, I said, oh, good, the next song, we actually know this one. I, I don't know, the keys are so off on that one song, we're, we're just, I'm trying to figure it out, I don't know where we're going, but, you know, I'm thankful, and I say this, but it's true. I don't say it because we're, we are talented enough musicians, but that's not even what it's about. God is not looking at, at our abilities, he's not looking at the music, he is looking at the heart toward him that we have, and uh, it's just such a blessing. It's such a blessing to gather and feel the presence of God. Amen? Don't take that for granted. You don't feel the Spirit of God everywhere you go. Tony and Haley, you just found that out again. In fact, it's not something we feel often. I was thinking back, I mean, it's getting close to that I've been here close to a year. At the, you know, about a month, just a little bit over a month, we'll have been here a year. And the first few weeks, we went to some churches, and I didn't, I didn't feel any Spirit of God there. And uh, so I don't, I don't take that for granted. I don't think that's something he owes us. Amen? Amen? I don't think that's something that we can produce. I think it's something that we try to cultivate an atmosphere where the Lord is pleased and he shows up. That's what we're trying to do. Amen? Amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to the, to the 50th Psalm. This verse <clears throat> has been on my heart for a couple of months. I wrote it down. And I've thought about it and thought about it, uh, this passage of Scripture. Um, I believe that the Lord would speak to us something tonight. And I think sometimes we have to, I, I feel like uh, the Lord taken me in a direction um, in, in the next few weeks, uh, talking about the law and grace further. I, I spoke about um, John 1, I think it was last time, where um, says that law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Christ. And then we have grace in the place of grace, anti-grace. Um, I've been thinking about those, those terms of, of law. I've been really thinking about the, the old covenant and the new covenant. And I feel like I want to go that direction, but I really feel like I need to say this tonight before we can go there because... I think sometimes we get really stuck in the way we see God. And I don't, that's not always a terrible thing. We could be stuck in the right way. But I think we get stuck in the way we process thought concerning God and concerning God's things. And I, I want to just deal with that a little bit tonight. I don't intend to stomp on anybody's toes, but everybody just get your toes right out there. And just allow the Lord to speak to your heart and, and say what he wants to say. Amen? If you'll do that, everybody say amen. amen. So verse 16, Psalm 50. But unto the wicked, God saith, what hast thou to do to declare my statutes? Or that thou shouldest make my covenant in thy mouth, seeing that thou hatest instruction and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou consentedest with him. Or approved of what he was doing. And thou hast been a partaker with adulterers. And thou givest thy mouth to evil. And thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. And thou slanderest thy own mother's son. Or your brother. Look at verse 21. And these things hast thou done. And I kept silent. And thou thoughtest that I was altogether such one as thyself. But I will reprove thee 
and set them in order in thine eyes. Now, Lord, I ask you tonight, I pray that you would help me to deliver what you've placed in my heart because I think it's important for us. And I don't have, I don't possess any anointing. I don't possess any truth. Lord, we look to you. We pray your spirit move and help us to hear your spirit, Jesus. And everybody say amen. Amen. I wonder, and I'm going to wonder a bit tonight. I wonder what we think God is like. I wonder how each of us individually thinks God thinks. Because we all have this idea that we have developed, whether it's a short experience in Christ or a long experience. For me, I've been in church my whole life and have not served the Lord all of that time, but never have not been in the house of God, been through a lot of different experiences um, from when I was a child and growing up in, in a you know ultra holiness, uh, charismatic Pentecostal type setting to where we are at now, the truths that we thought we knew then and what we understand to be true now, all of those things. I just wonder what we all think God thinks like. That 21st verse, I want to read it to you again because I want you to hear what the Lord says. These things thou hast done and I kept silent. We think that because we have an idea and God does not speak concerning it, then it must be right. That's more or less what the psalmist is saying here. That God says, you've done a bunch of things and because I have not rebuked you publicly or openly, I have not struck down what you're doing with lightning, then you think that I approve of what you've done. You think I approve of what you think. But God says, but listen, you thought that I was altogether such a one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now look at verse 22. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you into pieces and and there be none to deliver. In verse 23, whoso offereth praise glorifieth me, and to him him that ordereth his conversation aright will I show the salvation of God. We face a huge obstacle, in my opinion, that impedes our relationship with God. And it is summed up in this, how we think God thinks. It stands in opposition to what God's thoughts are. If you think about the book of Isaiah, God says in the book of Isaiah, he says, my ways are higher than your ways and my what? My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. We understand that. We get that. We can look at our lives and we can see the actions that happen within us. And while we are all Christians here tonight, we are all believers here tonight, we love the Lord, we can still see action that happens in our life and say, well, obviously God's ways are higher than our ways. Amen? But sometimes we forget the second part of that, which I believe 
is much harder for us to comprehend, and that is that our thoughts are not his thoughts. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. They're higher than the heaven is from the earth. They're nothing like our thoughts. But we, we believe that, that uh, a lot of different things. Now, this is, is uh, you know, in this case, he is directing toward the wicked that they have seen and done these things and because God has not struck them down. For example, homosexuality. There's, there's a great movement It's larger than what we even think of homosexuals that believe they are right and in right relationship with God. You know the only way they can believe that? Because God has been silent. That's how they see it. Because God has not blown up San Francisco with with hellfire and brimstone like he did Sodom and Gomorrah. Interestingly enough, if you want to look, there was a cataclysmic event that they have now, science has said it happened. They don't know what caused it though. Back in about 1600 BC, that something happened that was more powerful than, uh, was a hundred times more powerful than than the uh, atomic bomb. But they don't know what it was. But it happened right there at Sodom. When God destroyed Sodom, the Bible says. But, But because God has not struck down every homosexual. There is this thought within that community. See, we are okay because if God really had an issue, God, well, God did speak on the issue. We certainly know this, but this, this idea. Now, we can see that very clearly in that example, but then look at all the denominations. Look at everybody's perspective and we walk into this thing and say, well, if God really felt differently than what I believe he would tell me. Do we not? If God, no, you're all being way too quiet. Maybe I'm saying things you never thought of before. That might be it. If God thought differently about holiness, he would tell us. If God thought differently about Holy Ghost, he would tell us. See, we're right, and we know we're right, and because we're right, we're unwilling to look at things from any different perspective. Because we already know. We've got it figured out. We understand what's going on. And you can attach that to every denominational push. The thing that makes this body unique, and I'm not not saying this to pump us up. I'm literally saying something that makes this body unique is the thrust of the ministry for 25 years here has not been to get a standard by which we hold everything, but just to try to find Jesus in the scripture. We... We don't really even have spelled out great doctrinal statements. I think we had to write something so we could have the 501c3. Pretty generic from what I remember. I haven't even read through them lately. Because that's that's not where we're going. The idea that we would get to the point where we understand God, we understand what God thinks. While he is speaking to the wicked in the, in the book of Psalms, I think it can apply to us because we know that without Christ, we are wicked. We are lost. We are abominable. But only with Christ do we find. So when God speaks, I think this applies to my life, that because you, you do not hear directly from me, you believe that I am just thinking like you. I think that's really the, the thrust of what God is saying here. You think that I think like you think. You believe that I am in agreement with what you are doing. 
Now tell me if this is not true of your own life. You don't have to raise your hands because we're probably all guilty. If it's not true of your own life that as you have pursued the Lord, you settle into a groove and you believe that what you're doing is exactly where God would want you to be. Where you're going, what you're watching, how much time you spend doing this and that and the other, how much time you spend reading, how much time you spend praying, how often you do whatever it is you're doing. And you look and because God is silent about it, you say, well, God must be okay with what I'm doing. And I'm here to tell you tonight that that is impeding the work of God within us. It's challenging what God wants to do. We have conditioned ourselves to believe that somehow we have grown to understand the heart of God. That after years of going to church and seeing him, we understand him. I heard Mark Hamby say something the other day and he's got some interesting thought and he's got stuff that is way out there. Dad and I have listened to him for years. But he said, it is the most gross overstatement and it's damnable to us to say we hold the truth. To think that we contain the truth within echoes of Calvary, it will lead us into apostasy. To think that we hold the truth. We have truth, but we don't have the truth. Jesus is the truth. And we're trying to see him and to know him, but we cannot allow ourselves to think that after 25 years of pursuing him, that we have taken hold of him. I said this a couple weeks ago. I am trying to lay hold of the one who has laid hold of me. I love how Paul says that because he does not say, I have arrived or I got there. I figured it out. In fact, he says the opposite. I am trying, I am running, I am laboring, I am working. All of those terms he uses to talk about us trying to take hold of Christ. To think that we understand. I begin to think about Moses. Moses has seen a burning bush. He was witness to the plagues that happened. I mean, there's some mighty miraculous things that are happening in those plagues. If you've, if you've thought about that, I mean, cataclysmic events, apocalyptic if you live there. You, it's, when the water starts turning to blood, when we go out and look at the creeks and the rivers and their blood, I'm gonna feel like the apocalypse is upon us. Moses has, has seen this. He has seen the Red Sea open. He has seen Pharaoh, the enemy of God's people, swallowed up in the Red Sea. I would say that he's probably seen more miraculous events than any other human being. Now, I can't really prove that, but the, the vast magnitude and the volume of all that he saw is probably greater than anybody else who's lived on this planet. And it says of Moses in the 33rd chapter, and I believe around the 11th verse, it says, and God would speak face to face with Moses as with a friend. Yet in the 13th verse of that 33rd chapter, for many of us, that would, where, where else would we need to go? With all that he had seen and all the confirmation that he had had, if there's ever been anybody who was more validated to a cause that God literally parted seas in front of him to allow him to walk into his purpose as so many would preach today. 
Whoever had been more validated. We're, we're walking out in things we don't even know. Moses has everything confirmed for him. And for most, this would be perfectly sufficient. We'd say, okay, I have got it figured out. I understand God. But in the 13th verse of the 33rd chapter, look at that real quick. I just want you to see it with your own eyes. What Moses says, the 33rd verse and the 13th, uh, uh, 33rd chapter, 13th verse. Now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way. Listen to what he says right here. That I may, everybody say it, No. Everybody say no. That I may know thee, that I might find grace in your sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. After all that Moses has done, after all that Moses has seen, certainly he would feel as though he understood God. And yet he says, Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, show me your way so that I can know you. I think the scripture says that we should grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ. To feel secure in our knowledge, in our understanding. But in this case, I believe it goes into that knowing is that relationship. That intimacy of relationship. Friendship as God is speaking to him. But God's already doing that. And Moses says, I want to know you. Because what we know of God is in part, what we understand of God is a piece. We do not have the whole. And so this thrust of Moses' life, this this desire of Moses' life is that he might know him. But the truth is what we think about God comes in the way of us knowing him. We see this happening all through the, the, the Exodus, all through the children of Israel as they continue to walk in things that they believe God called them to, but God might have called them to a, a temporary thing. Say, hey, I want you to walk through the Red Sea, but he didn't tell them to walk through the Red Sea every day. He told them to do it one time, and then that was it. He didn't tell them to do it every day. But we see this happening with the snake on the pole as they're all dying, uh, being bitten by the snake and, and dying, and God says, put a brazen serpent on a pole and pray and I'm going to heal you and then 780 years later Hezekiah comes along and he finds this brazen serpent in the house of God because they think they know him they think it's about a snake they think it's about a pole they think it's about order they think it's about doing things a specific way they believe they understand God with the knowledge that they possess And I want to tell you tonight that there is something else that I believe that God wants from us. It's easy for us to think that we've got God cornered. We can get to the point where we are confident and very comfortable with where we are in the kingdom. Satisfied with our position. I can look and say, well, God, I go to church every time the doors are open. I am moved to Oklahoma. That should be something. I give offering. But I wonder if God might have to say sometimes to us, you thought I was just like you. You thought that I was thinking what you were thinking. 
but I'm going to reprove you. I'm going to correct your thoughts. I'm going to correct your course because there's something I want to teach you. God says, I'm going to have to set some stuff straight. You can love the Lord. You can have every good intention. You can be faithful. But how we think about God can leave us in a position where we really need adjustment. Now, I am grateful that we around this place have a pastor who's willing to give some spiritual chiropractic work to adjust, to get things back in alignment. We're not afraid to attack whatever the issues are and say, this is what God says. This is what it means to follow the Lord. We're just trying to point you to Jesus all the time, every, hopefully every ministry, all the way from the kids and the youth and the college and, and uh, whatever other ministries we ever end up doing. That's the point. But we have to be redirected. It's easy for us to be comfortable and overconfident in our understanding of God. And God has to put us then in some uncomfortable situations in order to get our hearts to hear him. I thought this was beautiful. I had no clue what dad, obviously we always say this. I had no clue where he was preaching. But this morning you begin to speak and say, God is, God, the devil's not the author of the storm. God allows us to go through storms so that he can reveal himself to us. And the book of Hebrews in the 12th chapter, right at the very end, it says, and yet once more, this word signifieth, let everything be shaken so that only that which can stand will remain. And we don't like shaking. Come on, somebody say amen. I don't want change. I don't want to have to amend anything. I want to get in my groove. I want to get in my rhythm. One of the things that messed us up so much is moving from a place where we knew the rhythm and God brings us to a place where we don't know anything. Storms, I know where the storms come from in California. Come from the water, out in the ocean. Here they come from north, south, east, and west. Blow in from every direction. They'll say it's not going to rain, it pours. They say it's going to rain, it doesn't do anything. They talk about tornadoes, I don't even believe in tornadoes. <laughs> we come out here and we don't know anything, but we had a rhythm. We had a function with which we lived our lives and it was easy. It was comfortable. Whether we made good money or whether we didn't make good money, it was just a comfort level. We knew we could depend. We knew where we could go. We knew where we wanted to eat. And everybody's lamenting. All the people go to California get to go to Burrito Bandito and all the rest of us are sad. It's not worth going back for, but you know. But we understood what we knew things about God in California and now we're in Oklahoma and we don't have a building. And now we're in Oklahoma and we're not making the money we were making in California. And we walk away from what we are comfortable with and what we know. And this is what is difficult because God says, I am going to shake some things. Why do we believe that we are exempt from shaking? Why do we believe that we have built such great structure in our lives that God doesn't need to come along and say, hey, I've got to make some adjustments with what you're doing. Because we think we're better. We think we're superior. It's easy for us. It's natural for us. I'm not speaking, saying you're a bunch of bad people, that we're bad people. No, no, no. I'm saying it's natural for us to believe. I think America is superior to every other nation in the world. Why? Because I'm American. Now, the Russians don't believe that. 
You understand what I'm saying? It's natural for us to believe, man, what Echoes of Calvary is doing is great. Boy, we, we just love Echoes of Calvary. I, I, God bless it. We want to believe in what we're doing. Otherwise, we'd be somewhere else. But we believe in what we're doing. And God says, listen, I've got to shake some things up because I want to help you to understand some things about me that you don't yet know. I really believe, I don't believe that this move was just to get us out of California, which by the way is confirmed almost daily in the news. The stuff that is happening is insane. I thought it was insane when we were there. It's like Newsom just hit the gas pedal with a brand new turbo. I mean, it's accelerating and we're seeing this happen all over the country. But that's not what this is about. Now, yes, God provides for his people. God moves people at times because of famine. God supports and, and provides for people that love him. I absolutely believe that. But there is something else I believe at the same time that is going on within this body that God wants to do. How many would believe that and say amen? Or are we just gathering just as a group of individuals who show up at the conference center and talk about Jesus every now and again. Well, I don't believe that. We're a body. And for a purpose, God is working in us and moving us. Exodus 10, Moses tells Pharaoh, when we leave, you're going to have to let us take the livestock with us. Because when we get out of here, we've got to sacrifice to our God. We've got to give burnt offering and sacrifice. We don't even know how much we're going to have to give. We don't know what we're going to have to do, but we've got to do this. And then I want you to look at there at Jeremiah really quick in the seventh chapter. This is, this is, this will make you think. Jeremiah, the seventh chapter, God speaking in the 22nd verse says, for I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them the day I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. Hold on. Moses tells Pharaoh, listen, we've got to leave with the livestock because we've got to offer burnt sacrifice. God tells Jeremiah, I didn't tell, your, I didn't tell the people when they left Egypt to offer burnt sacrifice. That wasn't what I was talking to them about. See, we think we understand God. We think that the function... The order of the stuff is what it's about. It's natural for us as humans to take what the law is, what the order is, and to make it into something bigger than what it is. But the, the 23rd verse answers it for us. But this thing commanded I them saying, obey my voice. See, it's not, this isn't just word games. What God is saying is, I didn't care. In fact, he says this multiple times. Your sacrifice stinks to me. I'm fed up to here with your sacrifice and with your blood and with all that stuff you're doing. Why? Because it's not from your heart. What I want is obedience. What I want is for you to hear. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. See, what we think about God, this is happening all over in all of these denominations. And I'm praying it doesn't happen to us here. That they have their niche thing. Let's pick on the holiness movement again for a minute. It needs to be picked on. 
Because what we had is you had women who were being immodest and they were being, uh, they, they were, they were being uh, manly. And so back in the 30s, not very many women wore pants. It wasn't a customary thing to do. And so a woman who was wearing pants in the 30s is a whole lot different than a woman who's wearing pants in the 2020s. It represented something different. And so they begin to encourage their women to be women and to not be masculine and they shouldn't try to usurp authority over men. Are those things biblical? Yes. But the form became way more powerful than the message that was really at the heart of that movement. So now you've got a bunch of people who because they dress a certain way believe they are right or more right, bad English writer, than what other people are who do not dress that way. Why? Because they got a commandment to sacrifice. But they don't understand obedience. To obey is better than sacrifice, God says. And to hearken, to respond to what you're hearing is better than the fat of rams. So God's saying, listen, I was never after sacrifice. It never was about sacrifice. It was about you doing what I told you to do. That's what it's about. Now, if he commands to sacrifice, then what do we do? Sacrifice. But it's the obedience. Do, do we and I don't know that we do. I hope that we don't. But let's just ask the question. Do we have poles with brazen serpents on it that we're still bowing to because of a commandment 50 years ago or 100 years ago or 200 years ago? Do we have habits that we're doing out of habit that we really believe that somehow we are righter, we are better so you got the people who, who believe that because they speak in tongues, they've reached an echelon, a higher echelon of spirituality. It's garbage. But then on the other side, you've got a group of people who believe that because they don't speak in tongues, that they call the ones who do full of the devil. Why? How does that happen? Same people reading the same book, Two different spheres, two totally different trains of thought. Because God says, listen, you thought I was just like you, but I'm going to have to reprove you. I'm going to have to correct some thought in your life. So I, I want to speak specifically to us. I want you to think for a minute tonight. I don't understand why it's been difficult for us to find a church building. I don't understand it. For all those years, we prayed that God would give us a church building there. We were 24 years without a building. We worked you know, out of that renting. We put a million dollars of rent, basically, into that building. Finally, after 24 years, we get a church building that we love and we're able to fix up and we pay it off. And six months later, God says, I'm going to reprove you. I'm going to shake some stuff up. But I want you to listen God didn't command us concerning moving to Oklahoma. He 
He has commanded us to obey him. And there is a difference. And he says, if you obey me, then it will be well with you. We believe, dad and I both believe that God was moving us. But to which of you did we come and say, God says you need to move to Oklahoma? Anybody want to raise their hand? Why? God didn't command us concerning Oklahoma. He commanded us concerning obedience. I learned something years ago that was a very difficult lesson for me. We started going down to Chico. We were doing park church in Reading and we started going down to Chico on Sunday afternoons. How many went down to Chico on Sunday afternoons? And we were feeding the homeless, having church in a community center there. And we were having 50, 60, 70 people show up. We're praying with people. We're believing that God is working. We're there six months. And finally, the guy did not want us to use the facility. He was an atheist. And he accused us. He said we had left it a mess. So I called him up and I said, that's absolutely 100% not true. He had told me, don't clean up anything. Don't worry about resetting anything. I've got janitors that have to come in and sweep the floors. They got to set up chairs anyway. Just leave them out. We never did it one time because I didn't want to, don't want to leave it that way. The same thing we do here. She told me a couple times, just leave it that way. We don't leave it that way. We pick it up. We put the chairs up. We pick up the garbage because that's what we do. He said, oh, he said, you left junk out and you can't use it anymore. I called him up. I said, that's absolutely not true. We did not leave anything out. We picked up everything. We always do. He said, well, I'm just going to tell you, I don't want you there. So we moved and we went to a church building. We went to a little church there in Chapman Town. Nobody would come. And I'm praying. I felt like the Lord had told us to go. I felt like we felt a burden on our heart. Dad and I were going down under the bridges and talking to people and trying to encourage people. I felt like it was the Lord wanting us to go there. And I see that this isn't working and I'm praying and I feel like we are failing. I, I'm not trying to overmake this, but I really did feel like a failure in this situation. And the Lord really spoke something clearly to me. I think applies exactly to this. And that was, this was not about Chico. This was about obedience. It's not any better to go when God doesn't say to go or to not come back when God doesn't say or when God says, come back and you don't. I felt it was time. We talked to dad. We were praying about it. I said, okay, it's time. And the lesson I learned in all of that was this wasn't about me. It wasn't about Echoes of Calvary. It wasn't about our ministry. It was about obedience. I was trying to answer. Now, maybe that, however long ago that was, 15 years ago, maybe that was a trial run to see if I was going to be willing to step out of my comfort zone, load up my family, and move to Oklahoma. I don't know. But I'm telling you tonight, and I believe it's vitally important, I don't understand this. I can become frustrated. I, to be honest in my flesh, am a bit frustrated. And maybe this message is just to me. I know dad feels similarly, at least. I don't want to speak for him, but there's a, I don't understand this. I don't understand why. I don't understand why it's been as difficult as it has financially for some people. 
I don't understand it, but I know this and I want to reiterate it again. God did not command us concerning Oklahoma. God commanded us concerning obedience to him. And we have to draw this back in and get it into perspective. If you are here for financial gain, if you're here for a big, beautiful church, go somewhere else because it's not happening right now. But if we are here to fulfill what we believe God is leading us to do, if we are here to obey, then we have no right to be frustrated with the action that's happening. If we are here to obey, then we've just got to be faithful as a servant is wherever God calls us to, whatever he asks of us, no matter how difficult it becomes. If we got to get a canvas tent and set it up in the middle of a tornado, we've got to trust that God has got us where he wants us. We're not here to produce anything. I believe full-heartedly we're not here to produce anything. We can't produce anything. We can't save a person. We can't deliver anybody. We can't impact Claremore. If we can do it, then it's not God. What we are here to do is to obey him, to hear his voice, to hearken unto him and say, Lord, whatever it is you want to do in my life, however it is you want to use me, I don't care if it becomes difficult. I just want to serve you. I know that's redundant. I know that's something we know. But I want to remind you of it tonight. Before, and I feel this is the word of the Lord for this body. I don't consider myself a prophet and I don't claim that God has given me some word here tonight. But I felt this in my spirit. Before there is a a settling that God says I got to shake some things up. And we've been getting shook feel like we're living on a fault line. And just about the time we feel like we get something going, just about the time we feel like, okay, man, okay, we're good now. We can kind of just mosey along. God says, no, 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 I don't want you moseying anywhere. Keen focus. I want you to pay attention to my word. I want you to focus in on what I've called you to. God has not called us. Listen, he's going to take care of us. I'm going to give you all a word tonight. God is going to take care of you. He says, listen, the sparrows don't sow. They don't do anything to take care of themselves, but I take care of them. How much more will I take care of my children? I don't know how it's going to work out, but we got to stop worrying about that. And before there can be a settling, there is a shaking. And frankly, there was a lot of stuff, and I don't understand why, but I'm, I, I believe this. I believe this. There was a lot of stuff in California that I sat there. I sat there in my comfortable position. I sat there in our beautiful, brand new little church, and uh, man, was pretty happy. But I'm praying, and I know Dad was too, because there were issues. And I'm praying, God, you got to change these issues. You got to work in this body because there's some contention, there's some problems, and God's going to work, and I don't like the work. I don't like the work. I want you to look at Isaiah. You just got to turn back a couple of pages in your Bible, the 64th chapter. I think that I can see myself in Isaiah 64. Look at the world events. 
We look at all that was going on around us. We see all the mess. We see the spiritual mess at Bethel. We see the spiritual mess at the church you went to the other day. You see all the people around you and, and, and all that's going on. We look and we saw the contention and the strife that was happening somewhat even within the body. We can look at all that and we begin to pray just like Isaiah chapter 64. Oh, that thou wouldst rend the heavens and thou wouldst come down that the mountains might flow at thy presence. God, bring your judgment against people who are perverts and who are destroying our children. Anybody prayed that before? As when the melting fire burneth and the fire causeth the waters to boil and to make thy name known to thy adversaries that the heavens may tremble at thy presence. I've prayed from that position. Prayed, God, you gotta change some things. You gotta fix some things. We, we need your presence. We need you to move. And look at verse three. And when thou didst terrible things which we did not look for, thou camest down, and the mountains flowed at thy presence. Isaiah said, this is us. God, come down and shake some things up. Man, God, when you came down, you were doing all kinds of stuff I never thought you were going to do. That's what he's saying. You came down and did stuff we never expected. That's exactly what God's saying tonight. I'm going to do some things you don't understand. I'm going to do some things you don't expect because we're trying to process how this all needs to go right here in my flesh with my two-by-four brain. I can get it all figured out. I can tell you all exactly what God needs to do. He can just give us a, that little church in Tiowa Justice, that little white church that sits in that field. That's perfect. And we can buy it fine if he wants to give it fine. I don't care. That'd be perfect. That's all we need. That's my understanding. That's my way. That's my thoughts. And I'm saying, God, you got to work. God, you got to move. We need you to answer some stuff here. And God says, I'm moving. But it's just not what you thought. I'm doing things, but I'm doing things the way I want them done. You thought I thought like you. You thought I was just like you. But I'm going to reprove you. God's got to change some of the way we think. God's got to help us to see some things from a different perspective. I see everything in lines, and oftentimes I'm looking for these lines in the scripture to understand, but sometimes, I told Chris today, sometimes I feel like I'm praying, like, God, I'm trying to connect this line, and God says, no, it's going this way. <laughs> well, I've only been looking this way. I don't even see that way. God's trying to correct some things in me. I know I prayed this. I know I thought this. God, come down. And when he has, I believe that God's presence is with us. Say amen. amen. I believe that God is working in this body. I believe that God has a purpose for us here in Oklahoma. I just don't think it's what I thought it was. I just don't think it's going about it the way I thought we needed to go about it. And I've been praying for dad and 
praying for all of the leadership. And we're really, we're all so close. We kind of are all working. We're praying about this. I hope you're praying about this. But, but I, I just feel this right now. I'm not saying don't pray for a building. Pray for a building every day. But we need to be asking as a body, God, help us to find what your purpose is for us here as a body. Because that's the primary function. The primary function is not where. The primary function is not how. The primary function is who. It's that we glorify Christ and whatever that looks like. Paul says, I have learned to both be abased and I have learned to abound. I have learned that whether I have succeeded or whether I am in a shipwreck, whether I've been beaten or whether I have walked with kings, I have learned that God is to get the glory from what's going on in my life. That is so difficult for me. It may be easy for you, but it is difficult for me to look at things from that perspective. There has been a shaking in our lives. Anybody agree? Anybody feel like there's still some shaking going on? I'm not discontent at all. I'm happy. I love it. I love Oklahoma. I love where we're, but, but there's still some shaking and I don't like it. I kind of got a spiritual motion sickness. I remember we were riding in the dunes and, and we got in this bowl and Heather's whipping around and Heather's really susceptible to motion sickness and it was up in the top of Sand Mountain in the top of that bowl and there's only one way out and that's to ride over the crest and she said, oh, oh God, I gotta get off. She just fell off on the ground and she's laying there and she opened her eyes and the clouds are moving by. Oh, she closes her eyes. I kind of feel like that. I got some spiritual motion sickness going on here. I, I, I just have so much is going on at once and so much movement. And I, Lord, I just need things to stop shaking for a minute. But I believe what the Lord would say to us tonight is get your feet on the rock because the rock isn't shaking. Everything else is shaking, but the rock isn't shaking. Get your feet on me. Plant on me. Stop worrying about the world moving. Stop worrying about the world moving. Put your feet in Christ and say, Lord, wherever we go, whatever happens, you're going to be with us. He's faithful. He's a faithful God. He did not bring us to leave us. He did not bring us to abandon us. But we are to be a people to the praise of His glory. Not to ours. Formed and created for function within His kingdom and His body. Not to the satisfaction and luxuries of this life. I want you to look at verse 4. I'm not talking about prosperity. That's too easy. It's too, prosperity's too easy. I know a lot of people who have moved, changed jobs, changed locations, pursuing prosperity, promises of a better financial future, and believing that somehow God was just going to show up wherever they were. I'm not talking about prosperity tonight. Yes, God's going to take care of you. I believe that full heartedly, but I'm not talking about that. That's way too easy. If we can get a place of financial blessing, then we can rest and be at ease. Everything goes easy. As long as we got money, it's just easy. We don't have to worry about anything. We don't have to stress or, or struggle. It just, you know, we can sit back and, you know what? I'm not super worried about the church because I've got a good job. I'm not super worried about the kingdom because everything's going good with me. 
I'm not talking about that tonight. God says, you thought I was just like you. But I'm going to change your point of view. The fourth verse. Since the beginning of the world, men have not heard, nor perceived by the ear. Neither hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for him. God just saying it again. You thought you understood it. You thought that if you did this, this, and this, that I would show up and I would do this, this, and this. But while we've been praying, oh God, rend the heavens. God, put our children in new situations because we don't want them indoctrinated in this transgender filth that's ruining the minds of our kids. God, get us out of the situations where we're funding abortion. We're not funding abortion in Oklahoma. And we're praying all of these things. Rend the heavens. Come down. Bring judgment. Make the mountains melt before you, God. Boil the waters. And we're believing that God is going to move. And God says, listen, when I come down, I'm doing all kinds of things you didn't expect. Because from the beginning of man, I've never done it the way man thought it needed to be done. From the beginning of man, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man. I think the Apostle Paul said this same phrase. But Isaiah says, to them that wait for him. Is it difficult to wait? Yes. Call it a waiting room because you're waiting. They don't call it a waiting room because it's the express lane. We're a microwave generation. Everything is instant. Instant cakes and instant top ramen and everything's instant. We expect that God moves mountains instantly. And he certainly can. But God is trying to teach us to wait. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew strength. You know what I feel like when I'm waiting? Weak. Anybody else feel that way? I don't feel strong when I'm waiting. I feel weak, I feel shaken, I feel like everything's a mess around me. When we sat in the waiting room, when mom is in surgery, I don't feel good about waiting. It's taken longer than what it's supposed to take. It makes me want to pace, it makes me anxious, it makes me nervous. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. It's a supernatural thing. It goes against what you think. It stands in the face of everything that we've come to believe about God. We pray and people are healed sometimes in an instant. 
And we pray for years and some people are not healed. And we believe that somehow, if we can do it a certain way, if we can line up certain things, that somehow it's all going to come into order and God will answer when I ask. But prayer is about your alignment with His will. Prayer is about trusting in Him. Prayer is really about waiting upon Him. God has prepared some things for those who wait. But I close with this. I don't believe waiting means sitting and doing nothing. I believe this waiting means listening to the voice of God actively. Waiting on the Lord doesn't mean that we crawl into a box. Don't show up to work, ignore our families, and sit there until we get an answer. I I see the guys who isolated themselves and crawled off under trees. They're guys like Jonah. They're guys like Elisha. They're guys who are walking into depression and despair because of what's going on. I don't believe this waiting is getting alone and, and I don't think that's what this waiting's about. This waiting's about actively hearing the voice of God and saying, Lord, whatever it looks like. We, we get here on Sunday mornings, the five brothers or so that come every Sunday and help me set up and we say every Sunday morning, boy, I'm not gonna be sad and we don't have to do this every Sunday. Every Sunday, pretty much, we say that. But if we got to do this another five years, we're just going to keep waiting until the Lord puts us in a position He wants us in. Well, God wants to take us into a position where it's easier. No, God's not worried about our ease. God doesn't care anything about your ease. God doesn't care about your, your vacation. He doesn't care about your, your luxuries. He doesn't care about your time off. He doesn't care about how tired you are. He doesn't care about Sunday being a, a day of rest for you. God doesn't care about any of that. He's not concerned with what you're doing. We are to the praise of his glory, of people who are created for his purpose. We have to say, Lord, whatever it is that you want, that you will receive glory. Can can our prayer be, Jesus, we want you to be glorified in Claremore. If that means we never have a church building, that should be our prayer. How many agree? Jesus, we want you to be glorified in Claremore. We want you to be glorified first, though, in our church. And we want you to be glorified within our families. We want you to be glorified within... I want God to be glorified, Jesus' name to be exalted within my children, within my home. And now within Rodney and Dara's home. I want that primarily. And so whatever that looks like... I've heard this from my dad so many times through, through this ministry. I've been with him since day one pretty much. And I've heard him... We started in our house. And if we end up in our house, I'm going to glorify the Lord. I'm going to preach Christ. Whatever happens... That's what I'm going to do. That's the, that's the message of this body. That's the message to this body tonight. Don't become weary in well-doing. For you shall reap in due season if you faint not. It's the word of the Lord to you.
Think about that this week. I don't want to exempt anybody from needing to change their mind. I'm not accusing anybody here. I know I've been praying about my mindset, been praying about my perspective. Lord, help me to come into alignment to see that my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't mean to accuse anybody, but I also don't want to excuse anybody tonight. There needs to be some change, I believe, in the way some people are seeing the kingdom. There needs to be a change. And the way that we are perceiving what God's interested in. Because you thought God was exactly what you thought. And God says, I want to change some things in you. How many are willing to allow the Lord to change some things in you tonight? Why don't you lift your hand to the Lord as pastor comes. And just ask him to do that right now as you're there. Just say, Lord, begin to change me.